Welcome to the New Ventures podcast. Our guest for today is Fengru Lin, the CEO of Turtle Creek. And my name is Sanjoy Sanyal. I'm the founder of Regain Paradise, a boutique clean tech consulting firm and a visiting fellow at the Cambridge Judge Business School. Welcome, Fengru. Thanks for having me. Fengru, let's start by talking about you make dairy products without the animal. Tell us a little bit of how you do that. Sure. So we have several different technologies. And the first technology that we're launching some of our first products is using precision fermentation. So precision fermentation, it's really getting microbial host. It could be yeast or it could be fungal host to ingest sugar and pump out protein like how a cow would. And we do that by genetically modifying um, these microbial hosts to perform like cows. And um, the, the end product is the actual molecular structure of the, the protein that we're targeting. So our first protein that, that we're targeting is lactoferrin, which is a bioactive protein that is found in milk. It's known to have antimicrobial, antiviral properties um, and known to have some health benefits as well. Well, that's great and quite technical actually. So let's make sure our audience understand this. What is lactoferrin? Just to help it related to the normal dairy products that we use. Sure, so lactoferrin is a micronutrient found in milk. I think there is like 0.1 grams of lactoferrin in one liter of milk. And today lactoferrin is, is produced by purifying it out of cow milk. And you can imagine a lot of resources is required to pull that lactoferrin out of cow milk and when you pull lactoferrin out of, say, the whey fraction, uh, much of the other parts of whey would be wasted uh, because nobody wants whey without the lactoferrin part of it. So lactoferrin um, is very high value. Today, it trades on the market between $500 to $3,000 per kg. It has benefits for the immune system, gut health, digestive support, and iron regulation. Great. So you're making lactoferrin, which is, you know, one component of whey. You know, my mother used to tell me whey is very good for health. And this is probably what she had in mind. That's right. But just going back to what you were trying to tell me earlier on, this is made from fungus or other microorganisms, right? Not the cows at all. You just mimic the process. Is that what you're trying to do? Yeah, that's, that's correct. We, we get the microbes to perform like how a cow would, ingesting sugar and pumping out the end protein. And uh, this process is over 90% more resource water um, and energy um, saving compared to raising a whole kettle just to get her milk. Right. So efficiency, if I may, comes in two ways, right? One is, you know, the efficiency, because you're getting microorganisms to mimic the processes that cows would, ingesting sugar and producing protein. So that's, you know, one level of resource efficiency. The other is because you're making lactoferrin directly and otherwise it would have been made from processing away, you know, you're saving resources there too. That's correct. And our process does not include any animal cruelty or, or any um, animals in the whole process. Um, so not only it's, it's more resource um, saving, but it is also non-animal cruelty. Um, as we all know, I think uh, today, most of the milk that we consume, a lot of them come from factory farms and um, cows produce 37% of global methane emissions. 
um, our method to access these high-value ingredients allows us to avoid uh, the sustainability and animal cruelty issues. Great. So both environmental benefits as well as uh, animal cruelty issues. That's correct. But, you know, you make lactoferrin, and I get that. But, you know, making a product is one thing. How do you get it to customers? Sure. So in Turtle Tree, we are a very B2B2C-focused company. So we are working with um, the big dairy companies, the big um, beverage and food companies to partner up with them to co-develop end products for consumers. So for Turtle Tree, we are able to produce lactoferrin, in a blend of better for you ingredients, um, we've, we've trademarked it, we've called it gut logic. So in gut logic, there's a blend of lactoferrin, um, complex sugars, which together helps benefit your immunity, helps with um, boosting your health. And the gut logic blend will be put into your regular cup of yogurt or your regular plant-based milk to fortify its nutritional values. And um, we, we will partner up with this food companies or beverage companies to launch products onto the market. Great. I can understand to a certain extent why food and beverage companies would be interested because it's a new product for them. But why would a dairy company be interested in partnering with you? Would they see you as potentially they could see you as competition as well, right? Well, it's how we position ourselves. Um, for dairy companies, when they push out yogurt products and, and so on, there's very little fact lactoferrin left in the food product and they do want to fortify their yogurt or um, dairy food with better for you ingredients. And that, that's how we are working together with these companies to co-develop products. Some of these companies are also interested in infant nutrition, performance nutrition, and these are different categories that we are exploring. Right. So as I'm listening to you, I'm realizing that, you know, plant-based milk has been around for a long time, such as soy milk or almond milk. But what you're trying to do is completely different. You're trying to almost develop specific products that are available in dairy products and make it available to customers in an almost precise way. It's a completely different paradigm. That's correct. And it's not exactly completely new uh, what we're doing. Uh, we see a lot of flavor companies out there um, building these blends. It's better for your ingredients um, for their food company customers. So we are developing something that the industry is familiar with. I suppose, you know, developing something the industry is familiar with is also important. It is otherwise very difficult to get a commercial company off the block in a reasonable period of time, which actually allows me to get into the next thing that I wanted to understand, you know, about the in initial product development process. What type of R&D did you have to do? Is it like basic R&D or did you have scientific processes that you are now trying to replicate? You know, just ex help me explain, you know, how complex that process is. Sure. So maybe I'll start off with our team. If you look at the roster of Turtle Tree, we have probably the world's most deepest team in R&D in the world. On the scientific side, we have Dr. Aletta, who is our chief scientist. And under her, she has a team of microbial scientists, um, cell biology scientists. We have a lot of work that we do in-house on engineering the microbial holes, on process development, on skill up. But I, coming from a business background, I'm also very big on M&A. So over time, we have also acquired a number of technologies and companies to our company to accelerate um, our progress. So this mix of um, in-house and external innovations has allowed us uh, to get to where we are today. 
very interesting, actually. In, let's break this up into parts. One is the cell biology team that you have and the acquisitions that you've done. Just help me understand, you know, your scientific team, you know, what is it that they do on a day-to-day basis? What type of experiments do they do, do they run? What is the research they're doing? What is the product development process they follow? Sure. I think um, the R&D is really focused on twofolds. First, we have our product development team talking to the customers, understanding what industry needs. We, we took a long time before we came to Lactoferrin as our first product. I think it's important to note that um, there are 2,000 different ingredients found in milk. Why did Turtle Tree choose Lactoferrin? I think um, it's, it's several different points. First of all, Lactoferrin, um, there is a massive shortage on the market. Um, only a couple of hundred tons is produced every year globally. Uh, and currently 90% of all lactoferrin goes into infant nutrition. And even with that, only 5% of infant nutrition has lactoferrin today. And uh, this is not accounting for the adult nutrition market that is totally untapped. So studying the market, understanding the customers, we came to the conclusion that lactoferrin is a crucial ingredient that industry needs. And on top of that, we have built a pipeline of different other ingredients, other proteins coming from milk uh, that are high in value, not just in in commercial value, but also in um, health value for our customers. That's one point. The second type of R&D that we do is, of course, engineering uh, the, the microbial cells. So we have a team, one of the best here in California. A lot of them have 15, 20 years of experience working in big companies like Novozymes, and they have in the past produced and and developed products that are currently out in the market. So we are very fortunate um, to have these two types of R&D and development going on. So we're making sure that whatever product that we produce is always in corroboration with what the industry needs. Brilliant. Along with that, uh, you have actually been acquiring technologies and companies, right? Now, how does that complementarity fit in? There are different things that we, we see how it can fit into our whole ecosystem. I think one example of um, an investment we made um, is into Solar Bio. So Solar Biotech is a scale-up partner based in Virginia. And uh, very early on, we knew that the scale-up is going to be a challenge for not just Turtle Tree, but every other Syn Bio company. So we decided to take it into, into Solar Bio to help them grow. And as forward today, to today, they are instrumental in helping up scale up some of the ingredients that we're producing. You know, what I really find interesting is that typically startup companies build a product to be acquired, right? And uh, what you have done is even at the startup stage, being acquiring, so as to build the product. I know you come from Google, which is, you know, the world's highest, best brains in technology, but is this even typical? You know what you're doing? So I think for early stage startups, um, it might not be that typical. My co-founder, Max, um, he has 20 years of experience running a business. For me, I, I did come from very good companies as well, like Salesforce and Google. So we have observed how companies grow and scale. There is only so much you can do um, in this short period of time as a startup. We've been around for three and a half years And some of the technologies that we have brought in are scientists 
working on these technologies for the past 15, 20 years. It's not something that we want to start from scratch. So bringing them into our ecosystem is how we believe we can accelerate and how we've observed other big companies be successful. This is how we operate today. Yeah, it is definitely very unique, at least in our podcast, we've interviewed so many entrepreneurs, but uh, this process is definitely very unique. But I understand why you are doing it because of the complexity of the, of the problems that you are addressing. So let's just you know, understand, you spend a lot of time looking at all the products that are there and all the ingredients that, that are in there in dairy. You picked one, you've built a pipeline, you've made some investments in companies that scale up the manufacturing. What's the next steps? Are you doing customer acceptance testing at this point? Or wh- where are you? So currently we are doing a lot of product co-development with our potential partners. Um, these are in categories like performance nutrition, infant nutrition, plant-based milks, uh, regular ice cream. And all, at the end of the day, consumers care about two things. We've done our own primary research. They care most about taste and they care most about cost. We're working with our partners to make sure that we deliver the most delicious products for our customers. So when you say products, you mean lactoferrin will go into a product in an infant? That's correct. And that product will have to taste pretty well for the infants. So it'll have to be tested at that level. It'll have to, it can go into adult nutrition. So it'll have to taste well for adults as well. Is that the type of pilots and experiments that you're doing? That's correct. On top of, of course, um, the safety, uh, the dosage studies and so on. And what about regulatory approvals? Yes. Um, so the first markets that we're targeting is Singapore and the US. I think Singapore would be first because of how progressive Singapore is. As all of us know, Singapore is a small country. There is a lot of challenges around food security. So the country has actually set up a goal to have 30% of the country's nutritional needs grown locally by the year 2030. So as a result, the government, uh, the regulators are working side by side with um, companies like ours to make sure that our products get regulated as soon as possible. The regulatory approval will be a process of testing, standards, and some co-development of approval steps and processes as well, I suppose. That's correct. Very nice. Let me just go back to the comment that you made about the investment in solar biotech. Sure. And I've been reading your website. So, and I know you know that solar biotech is in biomanufacturing, and you actually use the term uh, called precise fermentation before. So, I would have to demystify these terms for our audience. Sure. Precision fermentation uses microbial holes like yeast or fungi as cell factories. So these cell factories would ingest sugar and pump up protein as you engineer them with the DNA of, a, of the cow, for example. So today, there are several products that are already produced using precision fermentation in the market today. So one is rennet. Rennet is um, the, the enzyme that is required to produce cheeses. Another is vanillin. Vanillin is a vanilla flavoring uh, that is out in the market today. Um, so this is not, not an entirely new technology. The innovation from Turtle Tree is really uh, the production of lactoferrin um, using precision fermentation. In, and what is biomanufacturing? I have heard you use the term earlier as well. Biomanufacturing is um, getting this live host. Things like yeast and fungi, they, these are live 
microbes. And these microbes, I mean, yeast is, everyone knows yeast, right? Yeast is that, the enzyme that helps you bake bread, uh, that helps you ferment. Um, yeah, everybody knows and, yeast, especially during the lockdown, everybody has been doing bread. So and doing baking, right? So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we, we all know this uh, is um, we need to be gentle with them. They're alive. Sometimes they need to be kept in a cold temperature because these are live hosts. So I think biomanufacturing is getting these live hosts to to produce or to manufacture end products or proteins that that you're targeting. And uh, solar biotech had already. Ex- experience around these manufacturing processes, which is why you went to them, is it? So Solar Biotech um, is led by a gentleman uh, named Alex, and he has 20, 30 years of experience um, scaling up products. Uh, so we, we invested in them to, to get them to help us to scale up. Now, they are one of the partners that we are working with, but we are also bringing a lot of this knowledge in-house because it's key to the success and scale up of our products. Right. A lot of our audience, obviously, as you can imagine, come from the renewable energy world. So they would be interested in understanding why solar biotech is called solar biotech. So they have a goal to have everything run in solar energy. So I think uh, that, that is something they're working towards. Great. So food security and energy security. How cool that can be. Okay. So, you know, we've got a fair sense about, of your of go-to market and how you're working with cust- customers. So, and you've already started by saying that Singapore would be one of your uh, you know, early entrant markets. You actually started in Singapore, right? And you are a Singaporean yourself. So I would like to understand a little bit about how did the ecosystem in Singapore help you? I mean, let's start with the incubation you did. Sure. So when we started, um, we were incubated by my alma mater, um, SMU. So the SMU community really helped us to refine our pitch, uh, put our name out there, and especially in the uh, Singapore ecosystem, help us build um, Turtle Tree into a Singapore beloved brand. Um, and following that, they, they nominated us for several different um, competitions and accolades. And in 2020, we were very fortunate to have won the Entrepreneurship World Cup, uh, which is a half a million dollars prize money. And in 2020, we also won the Tomasic Livability Challenge, uh, which is a million dollars of, of funding. So I think from the early incubation efforts uh, from SMU, we really got our name out there. Right. The way you described your company is obviously deep tech, cell biology, and then microbial biology, and so on and so forth. I was wondering, you know, when you were being incubated in SMU, you know, what was the type of things that you are focusing on at that point of time? Sure. I think the challenge of a deep tech founder is really, how do you explain your technology? How do you explain uh, what you're doing to the common man, to the masses? And um, I think the key is to be able to explain it to your six-year-old niece or your six-year-old daughter. So she's able to relate that to her grandmother. I think to be able to package it in a way that the story can be retold was one of the hardest thing and the most important thing that we did when we were going through the incubation in SMU. Oh, I find that so fascinating. The idea of, of working on these milk proteins had already germinated in, the, in your head and your co-founder's head, right? And then you worked in the incubation program to be able to be able to convince a broader audience. Is that 
what it is? Yes, that's, that's correct. And so interesting, right? You know, the sharpening of the idea, the ability to, as you said, to be able to explain it to your six-year-old uh, niece who can then explain to her 75-year-old grandmother. Exactly. Yeah, the livability challenge, you know, that's a big one, right? You know, we had on our podcast, uh, Eugene Wang, who won it. You know, how did that change your life? A million dollars? Yeah, well, a million dollars in 2020 was a lot to us today as well. But back then, the leverage it gave us was tremendous. It allowed us to bring in a lot more talent uh, to build a team that we have today and also catapult us to the the front of uh, the world. And we're very thankful for the opportunity uh, the team at Tomasic Livability Challenge, all the way from Li Lang to Mr. Tan, everyone was very supportive and we are very thankful for the opportunity. And it got you the publicity as well, I suppose, right? That's correct. But when you won the Livability Challenge, what did you have at that point in time? You had obviously a concept, you had the ability to explain the concept to a mass audience, but you didn't have a product, right? Or you didn't have a prototype, let's say an energy company would have. What did you have? Yeah, so we had our first patents already. In fact, our second patents already filed. So it's, it's more than just an idea. It was a proven out concept of what we can do. And also a go-to-market plan, a business strategy. I think when it comes to early stage startups, a lot of it is also about the team. So we were very fortunate in the early days uh, to have a very strong team to begin with, to back the idea and to show that we were able to execute. Interesting. And then from Singapore, you planted yourself to the United States. What brought you here? So talent is a big thing. I think I mentioned it a couple of times, uh, but I cannot emphasize how crucial it is. We cannot be where we are without the team that we have today. If you look at Turtle Tree, our, our three locations, Boston, Singapore, Davis, California, these three are really talent hubs. If you look at uh, the amount of biotech investments globally, about 60 to 70% goes into Boston. And uh, our chief scientist is from Boston. Uh, this is why we decided to set up a lab, our newest lab in Boston. If you look at milk studies, milk education data, a lot of the research is done in UC Davis, uh, which is where we are in California. UC Davis is one of the deepest milk teams in the world. Uh, the milk teams are made up of five different labs. One lab looking at analysis of the milk molecules, one lab looking at gut studies, one lab looking at making claims. So all of these five labs work very closely together to, to understand milk. And we're working with them to build some health claims around gut logic. These three hubs is where um, our talent is. I'm I'm really based um, in both Singapore and the US. I, I travel between back and forth a lot. We have very strong leadership teams on each of the sides. And uh, we do envision that we're going to expand to a fourth location uh, sometime this year as well. Right. You would not be the only company, you know, who have started in Singapore and then moved over to the United States. You know, we had Andre Menenzies on the call yesterday and, you know, that he started Tyndall. He's also moved to the United States because, you know, that's really a big market, which is what you said as well, apart from the talent. Yeah, that's right. U.S. has a very progressive market as well. Consumers here, especially in, say, San Francisco, in New York, they love new experiences. So these wonderful big markets um, that we can tap onto. 
what about investors? Were investors coming to you in Singapore or obviously being in the United States also helps in raising money? Yeah, we have global investors. We have investors from all over the world. Uh, our lead investor is Verso. Julian is very supportive of us. Verso comes from uh, Switzerland and Dubai. Right. He would have probably invested in you with, even if you had stayed in Singapore. But so what I'm hearing you say is that the market and the talent are the key drivers to be in the United States at this point of time. That's correct. Then the other thing that you often talk about, I've heard you talk about, is food intelligence. What does it mean for our generation? So food intelligence is really a concept around eating consciously. So the overall picture is talking about how food, when you eat, the food should be delicious. It should be nutritious. It should be culturally conscious, ethically and transparently sourced. And uh, this is a five pillar game plan that allows us to create the gold standard for sustainable food that we can all look up to when we consciously decide what to eat. You know, that sounds great, but how does the milk protein lactoferrin fit into that? Sure. So it needs to be first very nutritious, which it is. The area around culturally conscious, this is where we're working with our partners. These partners, uh, they have local plans to launch products for um, specific markets. So we need to produce products that the consumers in the local community would love to eat. Again, it's ethically sourced because um, we're not harming any animals, we're not harming the environment. And uh, last but not least is the most important thing, it needs to be delicious. Nice. So when in, should we see our, your products? Where would that be? Would that be first in Singapore? Yes, or- it will first be in Singapore. We expect uh, this first product to be launched uh, sometime next year. Wonderful. And would it be available in Singapore supermarkets or in speciality? Tell us, where should we go next year? It would be co-developed with one of our partners, our local Singapore partners. Um, I do expect them to be in the supermarkets for sure. We want it to be accessible. Wonderful. I mean, I'm sure the next Singapore trip for many of us would be a most interesting journey. And this brings me to the end of the podcast, and which is why I should ask you, is there any last message that you would like to give to our audience today? I would um, encourage all of us to exercise food intelligence when we consume food today. I think when consumers go out and eat a burger or order food or go to the supermarket aisle, try to think holistically. Plant-based milk products are great for the environment. Uh, We have to also choose products that are great for our health. So do think holistically when uh, we, we pick up the food products on the supermarket aisle. You know, to me, as I was listening to you, one very big takeaway is that you started in Singapore. You are a Singaporean. You got your first break there. And then you moved to the United States to tap into talent and to markets, of course. But you're working back with Singaporean partners and Singaporean regulators to bring food security to Singapore. To me, this back and forth between Asia and America is really the the story of globalization. And food is a global industry. The problem is that the global trade in food is not sustainable environmentally and otherwise. But entrepreneurs like you have the ability to change that. Yeah, we are very fortunate to, to be where we are today. So when we talk about tapping on the talent pool of the US, 
um, using Singapore as a gateway to the rest of Asia. When it comes to other parts of producing food, we have things like uh, sources of energy, water, sources of raw materials. These are different inputs that goes into producing the lactoferrin or the food product that we're targeting. And for example, energy in the Middle East is a lot cheaper than the rest of the world. Sugar sources, uh, raw material sources is a lot cheaper in the US or in Southeast Asia. So we need to take a holistic view of where food should be produced, where R&D should be done. And we're very fortunate that the world is so connected today and we can make these, we can, we can build a global company um, with the resources that we have. With that, thank you very much, Fengru. Thanks, Sanjoy. I, I enjoyed this conversation very much. Thank <laughs> you.